0: like and subscribe hello one percenters and welcome to the one the unofficial unauthorized and most definitely unsponsored podcast of the one championship here we are episode eight we made it to episode eight. We're getting creeping closer to double digits. And this is going to be kind of a different format for this episode. Uh, if you listen to the previous episode, I won't go over all the info on what's going on in my life. I know most of you don't care. Anyways, you're just here for the MMA info and for my delightful comedic presence. Um, but basically, in summation, uh, I had a very busy weekend. Last weekend, I graduated college. I, tra- I was traveling. From Washington back to Phoenix. There was several events going on. I covered over 31 fights this weekend and uh, I'm also sick. You could probably still hear it in my voice. So there's a lot going on. So that's why we have this format. Normally we put all the fights together on one big long long format as long as we want podcasts you know we do it differently than most podcasts out there sometimes we, uh i had a, a episode uh two weeks ago that went uh two and a half hours so sometimes we do that sometimes we don't it just depends also i'm starting a new job mentioned that last time um that's your fault it's your fault i have a new job If 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 you would just like and subscribe and share this with your friends and tell your your everybody you know you know play my YouTube videos, go to that little cogwheel, put it on a loop so it plays my videos over and over and over again so I can get more views and and, and more stuff, then I'd be monetized and I wouldn't have to work. So me having to start a job, that's your fault. So keep that in mind. If we could get monetized, if we could be making money with this thing, I won't have to work. I'll be able to make videos full time, which is exactly what you want. Or it's not what you want. But think about it that way. Then you'll have more things to hate. You'll have more videos to say, oh, these videos aren't good. Thumbs down. You know, either way, it helps me out a lot. So do one of those two things, you know. And if you don't, you know, essentially what you're doing is you're breaking into my house and stealing money out of my wallet uh, on my bedside next to where I'm sleeping. Anyways, what are we here for? We're here for One Friday Fights 20. We've made it to 21 Friday Fights. And that's quite an accomplishment. You know, we're getting 52 of these One Friday Fights in 2023. How amazing is that? That this this product that uh, One has put out weekly shows in Lumpini Stadium. It's pretty impressive. And what makes this even more impressive is that, you know, One Friday Fights, even though it's very geared towards uh, Asian MMA fans, people in Thailand, people in Asia, they do it in uh, North American prime time, which shows you how important North America is to one championship. You know, they want to come in there. They want to take over. So essentially, One Friday Fights takes place, you know, basically Friday, Thursday evening, Friday morning. It's, it's, really, it's really early in the morning or late at night, depending on which way you look at it, in Thailand. And then they have one fight night, 11, Ursula versus Menshikov. And that was like 12 hours later. So we're putting on two events within 12 hours of each other in the same stadium. It's pretty impressive. Fortunately, both were in the ring. That's fortunately for the, for the the staff out at one championship, and also fortunately for us. Um, as you know, in my opinion, you know, the, the ring is where you want to see combat sports. Uh, I know the cage is popular, but the ring is where you want it, if you ask me. So before we get too into this, you know, I'm going to need my creative juice. And uh, the cider of the week, we're back on cider. Obviously, as you know, keto didn't work out, but we'll keep at it. This is going to be cider Corps craft cider. It's mango foxtrot, mango foxtrot, mango and rosehip hard cider. Drink great c- cider honor a great sacrifice. So have something to do with. Oh yeah, veteran owned and family operated company by brothers Jason Duran and Josh Duran. Started as a hobby blah, blah, blah. Oh, from Arizona. Hmm. A cider from Arizona, a place known for its good apples. Let's see how this turns out. I'm not overly optimistic, but Hey, you know, I've been, I've been called wrong before. Hmm. You definitely taste the mangoes. Semper Fidelis or whatever. All right. Let's get right into it because there's a lot of fights to cover and, uh, you know it's I'm recording this on the Saturday following this, so it's probably too late for most of you to even uh listen to this, but I'm doing it because I want to grow this uh podcast I'm in a commitment to uh covering this content, even if it doesn't get viewed by a lot of people. It might get viewed by someone, so I want to make sure we're doing that in the effort to continually grow this uh this podcast for you unappreciative people and you know the way you could thank me is just to like and subscribe, go on my socials give the you know, participate in the socials. If you're on Apple podcasts, that's a big one. Five-star review. Obviously it's the greatest podcast ever changed my life. Obviously put those comments in there. Or if you don't like it, you know, just, uh, you know, say you don't like it and then shut down your browser and go in your car and drive it off a cliff. Do one of those two things. Don't do nothing. That's loser talk. All right. So as we know, on Friday fights, there's a a format that they follow and it always starts with two MMA events. And and those MMA events can be hit or miss. You know, sometimes they're very missed. Sometimes they do not deliver because you have two wrestlers who want to wrestle in a ring. And, you know, that that happens a lot of the time. Or I should at least say some of the time we did have an exciting, uh, exciting MMA fight. You know, we had Torepshy Dongak versus Ivan Orukov, and this was a all Russian affair, which can sometimes be can sometimes be a little iffy. It could it result in a lot of wrestling, but that was not the case. You know this. You know this kicked off this doubleheader for one, and uh, you know Torepshy Dongak. He's making his MMA debut. You know. And Ivan or-, or Or Orkoff, he's a pressure wrestler, so we do have the opportunity to just get him to get wrestled to death, you know. And with Dongak being a striking world champion, there's definitely the possibility of that. But I gotta say, for a striker that has never had a had to grapple previously, Dongak is looking good. In the first round of this fight. It shows you how well these athletes are transitioning from other disciplines. They just dedicate themselves to learning grappling defense. And you're seeing that here. That's an evolution of the sport. You know, we have Shaolin Rivera serving as referees, so we won't have any issues with fighters grabbing the ropes like we did in the MA MMA contest from last week's Friday fights. You know, I went off on that. It's unacceptable. If we're gonna have this, uh fighting in the ring thing work, you cannot have the fighters grabbing the uh, ropes and pulling themselves out of the fighting area without any repercussions. So glad to see Shaolin Ribeiro in there. And you know, Orkov eventually secured a toehold in the first round, but Dongog fought out of it, survives the first round. And then Dongog came back in the second round, landed that clean overhand right, he wobbled the challenger, and uh, you know, it forced Orkov to take that sloppy shot and Dongok ended up on top and eventually Orokov Uri- did show his wrestling ability. He reversed that and he locked in a tight knee bar. I mean, it was pretty close to being finished, you know, but Dongok would not be uh, denied in his MMA deb- debut. And he, he escaped that knee bar despite, you know, looking like he was hurt. He, he had, grimaces of pain on his face but to his credit he uh he survived and you know once back to uh the feet, dongok took control you know he's a he's a uh, striking world champion and he showed it he pummeled orkov with some heavy artillery he landed 10 plus unanswered strikes and eventually the corner just had to throw in the towel you know they had seen enough and good on them for throwing in the towel but man what a comeback for uh for uh, Dongok, who was nearly submitted just moments before that. So, Torepshi Dongok, he looked impressive in his MMA debut, offered us a really exciting MMA fight in the ring, which is what I like to see, and it looks like he get be pretty good at this mixed martial arts stuff. What else do we got here? Constantine Mara Rasko versus Bartosz Schrock. So, now we're getting into striking stuff. We're, we're, we're done with MMA for the day, and This was all one-way traffic from Constantine Mara completely dominating. First one and a half rounds, and it looked like Mara was going to get Schrock out of there with knees to the head on the ground. Uh, Unfortunately, the referee, Shaolin Rivera, stopped the fight, ruled in no contest due to a knee to the back of the head. And I got to say, I got to say, I disagree with this. I disagree with this in principle and in practice. Can someone explain to me why strikes to the back of the head are illegal? Seriously, this isn't like satire. I want to know, is it more dangerous than getting drilled in the, uh, in the temple with someone's knee? Plus, a fighter who's trying to accomplish the one-fc goal of exciting finishes should not have to worry about losing a fight because the opponent turned his head slightly four seconds before the fight would have been stopped. You know, it's a stalling tactic. We see it all the time in North American MMA. And if a fighter doesn't want to get hit in the back of the head, they should defend themselves just like they would have to in a real, in a, in a street fight. You know, if you didn't want to get knee in the front of the head, you'd have to do more than than turn your head in a real situation. Also, uh, to make things even worse, that need, that knee to the back of the head looked behind the ear. So... You know, you could even see Bartosz Rock thought the fight was over. He thought he had lost the fight. He didn't even reach for the back of his head to protest the stoppage initially. You know, this is like something that happens in soccer and in, in in America in in football. You know, Americans call it soccer, but you know, a guy will get lightly bumped and then he'll he'll really act it up so that he could get a foul and and you know. It's a joke there, and this is a joke here, you know, a guy who wasn't even hurt saying all of a sudden, oh, the back of my head is is so hurt, you know. I don't like seeing it in any form of MMA, but it's we definitely shouldn't see it in the premier MMA league in the world in one championship, so. And, you know, Shaolin Ribeiro, he's an experienced MMA and jiu-jitsu athlete, but he's still learning on the job as a referee, so I understand that, you know. And overall, it wasn't egregious. I just don't agree with it. I don't want to see it in in any type of MMA, but especially not in global rule set. Moving on, we have uh, Sanpon versus Gokon Boran. And this was a fun fight. You know, it was nice to, after that uh, anticlimactic uh, finish to what was a great fight, it was great to see this. You know, Gokan Boran put Sanpon on the mat in the first minute of the fight. To me, for what it's worth, which it's worth nothing, it looked like a slip to me, but the referee, Olivier Cost, who's one of the best in the business, if not the best in the business, he rolled in a knockdown, and Sampon received the standing eight count. Round two, Sampon got in the driver's seat. His aggression, the reach of his elbows and kicks, that was a real problem for Boran, you know? Sampon dropped Gokhan Boran with a flying knee to the solar plexus. It was a thing of beauty. And then Sampon seemed like he was cruising to a finish as round two ended. You know, seemed like he was cruising to finish. However, Gokhan Boran showed his tenacity, fought back valiantly in the third, landing some big shots, big big shots. As did Sampon. They both they both had some good moments in that fight. The round ended in a flurry of punches for both contestants. So Sampon got the unanimous decision and proved to two and zero. Somehow Sampon didn't get a bonus for that exciting fight. It was a great fight. I guess sometimes there there's decision uh discrimination. I could be guilty of that too, but this was a good fight. It went to a decision, but it was exciting. It had me on the edge of my seat. He should have got a bonus for that. It's three hundred fifty thousand bot that's like a a tax error for one they're worth They're worth hundreds of millions, if not billions. Come on, give the guy ten thousand dollars. That's a lot of money to to him you know Oh yeah this uh. Kind of tastes like um like uh fruit that's like been left out in the sun too long. Kind of got a like a dank like it's like every time you take a sip you get like a little a little fart in your mouth. I wouldn't call it bad. It's like this podcast. I wouldn't call it bad, but I wouldn't call it good either. Where were we? Oh, here we are. Jai Singh versus Jang Jutin Who? We're getting into the part of the card where it's like a rock rolling downhill. You know, you get a couple of exciting fights. It gets the fighters and back excited. The crowd's getting amped up, and it just it just builds upon itself. And that's what's starting to happen on this card. You know, I didn't say it at the top of the card, but this was an amazing card. It was my highlight of the weekend, and we're we're getting into a, a, a main event that was. A very important fight for for MMA and for combat sports in general. I'll I'll get into that. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I just want to say that now because I didn't at the top. This was a great night of fights, and if you're if you're one of the lucky few who knows about uh, one Lumpini or one Friday fights in North America and and watches this watches this regularly, this is fights like this. This card is your reward for that. So welcome to the club. It's exclusive. So Jiang Jing from China, he was looking for he was looking good in the first 29 seconds of this fight. You know, the Chinese fighter was looking good for about 29 seconds, but not so much past the 30 second mark. Uh, and that's because J Singh turned off the electricity in Zhang Jin house with the switch high kick to the jawburn. You know, Jai Singh was pounding that kick to Jin Hu's body. All throughout the fight, the whole 29 seconds of it. And once Jai Sing got Jin Hu thinking about body, Jai Sing went high, shut off the lights in the first 30 seconds of the fight. Two wins, two devastating KOs in Lumpini Stadium, obviously, without question. 350,000 bot bonus for Jai Sing. And that's probably going to be my KO of the night. See how the night goes. Next, we had Victor Tashira versus Kong Thailand. And right out the gate, Tashera landed an uppercut on Kong Thailand in the first round, and I was sure we had seen two first-round KOs in a row. You know, somehow Kong Thailand makes it back to his feet on wobbly legs. The referee was on, was literally one to share a punch away from calling the fight, but miraculously Kong Thailand survived. And in the second round, Kong Thailand somehow started to actually turn the tide, which was shocking to see. He landed a sharp four-four punch combo. Solid head kick. However, it didn't really matter because Tashira landed the hook that put the hot prospect Con Thailand out of commission. Forced the referee to call the fight. Tashira was an under, was a, uh, underdog on this card, so shout out to him for putting on an amazing fight. Unfortunately, was not bonus eligible due to missing weight. I mean, come on. Give this guy a bonus. Hopefully, they took care of him backstage. Give the guy a bonus, you know? He missed weight. Everybody misses weight. Give the man his bonus. Pay the man, Chatri. Come on. Rambong versus Pet Suwan. You know, not much to say about this one. The first real exchange of the fight Rambong lands a left hook on Pet Suwan. That sends him to the dream realm, 15 seconds into the first round. Question. Can we have two KOs of the night? I mean, come on. $350,000 bot bonus without question for the birthday boy, Rambong. Happy birthday, Rambong. See what I'm saying? I mean, we're on a roll here. This this is a great night of fights if you're, for some reason, listening to this podcast and you haven't watched these fights yet. I mean, leave, leave this leave this podcast playing in the background on loop and then go watch these fights on another computer or TV because it's an amazing night of fights. Jamhu versus uh, Poeng Luang. Poeng Luang, he's taking care of his three younger sisters. You know, the parents are out of the picture. He's taking care of his three younger sisters. He just found out his girlfriend's pregnant. He's the head of the household. He's a full-time fighter. And he's trying to, to uh, make it in one of the toughest sports in the world. Conversely, Jamhud fights to uh, make a little extra money while he's in university. Who do you think has more motivation to win? And that's exactly what we saw. Poeng Luang fought like Jamhud was trying to take food off of his family's table. Plang lewing dropped Jamoud in the first with a clean straight to the liver. The 2nd Plang Luing split Jamoud's face with a violent downward elbow. That showered the fighters, referee, and ring in crimson. Could tell that the, reverie, the referee, uh, Olivier Coss was pretty grossed out by that. Even stopped the fight at one point, not to check on the fighters, but to make sure he could get a towel to, dr- to get the blood off of his arm, which, hey, more power to you, brother. You know, the violence continued into the third as Poeng Long stopped Jamud with body strikes with 30 seconds left in the fight. And anytime you have a fighter stopping someone with 30 seconds left in the fight when they're well ahead on the scorecard, shows you that that person has killer instinct, you know. Poeng is a guy we're going to see a lot of greatness from in uh, one Friday fights. And uh, I'm going to do my best to uh, clip out that uh, that elbow that uh, resulted in everybody being sprayed in in blood and put that up on my shorts. So if you're not if you're not on my sh- uh, socials, definitely check out my socials. They'll be up uh, before the weekend's over. You'll have to excuse me. I'm a little sicky boy, so still doing with some issues with that. Hopefully, it doesn't uh, rear its ugly head in the recording. But enough inside baseball. Got a lot of fights to get to here. Sua Black versus Tenue Gern. I'll just say this, you know, and this is a theme for this this entire fight card. Sua Black's walkout took longer than the fight, the entire fight. Two minutes into the first, we have the privilege of, risk, of witnessing a right hook to the body and then a left straight to the jaw. Was the A count even necessary? You know, Sua Black, perfection of violence. He improves to 2-0 two, two against Tanagon. Ten, and he gets the bonus, of course. Guarantees himself an exciting fight next time out in one Friday fights. So looking forward to seeing more from Sua Black. For Canu Gurn, back to the drawing board, I guess. And that leads us to the main event. We had Pet Sukumvit versus Zhao Sayai. And um, you know, Pet Sukumvit is someone who's on the rise and won. Essentially, the storyline of this fight was that Pet Sukumvit had the hundred thousand dollar $1, one contract on the line. And that's how that's how this was built up. If Pet Sucumvik would have won in a convincing fashion, he would have been like only the third fighter in Friday fight history to win the contract. So there was a lot of promotion put on for Pet Sukhumvik. And there's a reason for that. He's been winning a lot. That's number one, in exciting fashion, you know, that's paramount. But also, he's a two-time Channel 7 stadium champ. And we know how this goes as MMA fans, as, as combat sports fans. The plan was that Si Yai was being brought in, in here to be defeated in impressive fashion by Pat Sukumvit. Essentially, this was just a mild formality on Pat Sukumovic's road to greatness in one fighting championship. At the cost of Si Yai being separated from consciousness, most likely embarrassed in front of the world, you know, I knew that. The matchmakers knew that. Chachri Sitjutong knew that. The crowd in Lumpini knew that, and maybe even some of you plebes at home knew that. But one guy wasn't looped into that plan. That was Yai. You know, Pat Sukum is three years older than the twenty-one-year-old Yai. but that's like thirteen years in Muay Thai. And you could see it in this contest. You know, Yai has the flashy outfit with the neon pink shorts. The Shades Indoors, never advisable. Coming out to the rap music, he's like, you know, like, like a cool young guy. Pat Sukumvik is coming out to like more traditional music. He's got the plain white fair tech shirt. Even his uh, man call looks more traditional. He looks traditional. And we we got in the first round, he fought like a traditional Muay Thai fighter. And Zhao Yai did not. Chow C.I. looked more like an MMA fighter than a traditional Muay Thai guy. He switched his stance throughout the fight, which is very uncommon for Muay Thai fighters. And that allowed him to land a switch kick to the head in the first 30 seconds of the fight. And amazingly, finally, after all this time, we saw some calf kicks in Muay Thai. I told you. See? I told you it would work. You just have to listen to me. I told you that calf kicks will work in Muay Thai. It works in MMA. It will work in Muay Thai. And Jossie I listened to me. Thank you, Josie, for being a good listener. Those stance switches set up the calf kicks, too. Jossie I battered the front leg probably like nine or ten times. Pat Sukumvik had no answer for it. He had no answer for it. Hatsukunvik also had no answer for that thunderous uppercut that initially dropped him. But what man alive would, you know? Again, set up by the Jow C.I. stand switch. The stance switch hides strikes that Muay Thai fighters aren't capable of seeing. It's not in their normal repertoire. You know, the finish was a formality at this point, and, and Jau C.I. knew it as soon as he landed it. He landed the, the finishing blow. And uh, he he grabbed onto the, the ropes and he screamed into the crowd because he knew that he had upset the highly touted, celebrated Pet Sukumvit. You know they didn't give Joshiy Pet Sukumvit's hundred thousand dollar contract, but that really doesn't matter because Joshiy and, and a bunch of young Muay Thai fighters just like him will be fighting in one very soon. You know breaking breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. What you're seeing in this contest is the future of Muay Thai in Thailand. These young guys like Jossie I well, they're going to continue to upset these veterans. Mark my word. Here's, here's a prediction that is going to come true and you could say you heard it here first. Guys like Jossie I are going to continue to upset veterans of Muay Thai with their modern style. This is North America's MMA influence and it's finally making its way to Thailand after all these years. My guess is that like the cool young guy, Zhao C.I., you know, he's a UFC fan. And Pat Sukumvit, he's more traditional. He probably thinks MMA is stuff for like gay guys like me, you know, probably isn't a big fan. But why would a Muay Thai fighter watch the effectiveness of calf kicks and stance switches in North American MMA and not think, hey, that might be effective in the thing I do. You know, that's why Jasso Yai was so confident. You could see it in the uh, pre-fight interviews. He knew he was going to win. He's been using that in the gym and he knows it's going to be nearly impossible for traditional Muay Thai practitioners, even ones as good as Pet Sukumvit, to stop him with that type of technique. You should definitely expect more of this in the future. You know, you're going to see it first. With the young up-and-comers on Friday fights, and eventually what's going to happen is people are going to start to take notice and it's going to make its way into Muay Thai fights and one-fighting championships, big shows. To me, that was the most important fight of the weekend. No one in North America knows these two Thai fellows, but uh, as far as importance of combat sport, you all witnessed a pivotal turning point in combat sports Friday night. And it was all thanks to this wonderful concept known as One Lupini, One Friday Fights for You Filthy Imperialists. And hey, fans should appreciate One FC. You know why? 12 hours later, after this ultra important fight and this exciting card wrap stuff, 12 short hours later, they put on a contest in the same stadium One Fight Night 11, Ursel versus Mechkov. When do these guys sleep? And what a treat for MMA fans. Man. At least on paper, it seems like a good time to be an MMA fan. Not only do we have the uh, UFC 289 pay-per-view, we have Friday fights coming to us every week from Lumpini Stadium. On top of it, we've got, you know, essentially, if this was in the UFC, a pay-per-view. You know, big name, big name fighters, uh, big title fight in, uh, uh, in... Ursula versus Menschikov, and a bunch of exciting fights on the card for one championship. So on paper, it looks like this is like a, a, a Super Bowl weekend for MMA fans. But uh, in practice, as we know, as, uh, you know, one percenters and the, uh, the elite of the elite of MMA fans, the hardcores, as some would call us, that it doesn't always work out that way. And that was pretty apparent with the UFC card, you know, UFC 289. That card was sparse to be generous. And, you know, in retrospect, looking at this card from one, it's kind of suffers from the same problem. That's not to say that there's not good talent on here. Superbon is a, is a, a big star in one in Asian MMA. He's, he's a hero and rightfully so. And the, main event you're seeing a title fight between uh Rehi and Urso, who's undefeated in 7 years but that doesn't that doesn't always like equate to an exciting night of fights like there's one thing to to have good promotion or to state that there's good fighters on the card there's another thing to be sitting on your couch with your with your popcorn and your beer with your friends or partner or whoever you're with and being entertained by the fights. And honestly, I had a little trepidation about this card when I first learned of it, you know, I, uh, I watched the, uh, the previous one fight night 10, which took place in the United States. And I saw the promotion for this during, during the uh, broadcast of that, the, the promotion for this fight. Uh, Ursol versus Menshkov. And I, I thought to myself, well, clearly, even though one Fight Night 10 is geared towards North American audiences, this isn't a shift in the company. This isn't a shift in one in the one fighting championship to have all their cards be North American centric, because this card is clearly not. This is for the people who are already established one championship fans. And honestly, I think that's kind of a miss. You know, it would have been it would have been a better strategy, in my opinion, to follow up the one fight night ten in North America with a card that would be much more friendly to North American audiences that didn't require as much research, that didn't require it didn't require buy-in. Like it'd be much better if if we saw Demetrius Johnson fight and then three weeks later we saw another fight that North American fans were familiar with now don't get don't get me wrong. I know who Rayey and Ursel is. I put a uh supercut of all of his k o s and finishes up on my um on my Instagram channel so I'm familiar with this guy. I know how good he is, but good isn't always entertaining and you can see that in his fights he's he's not really much of a finisher and I just think overall for a company like one that has the capacity to compete with the UFC, something that no other MMA organization has the ability to do, this card was kind of a miss. It was kind of pivotal and I, I feel like they didn't capitalize on all the success of their previous, their previous event on, on Prime Video. With that being said, there were some great, there was some great fights on here. There were some noteworthy uh, fights that took place and we'll, we'll get into those now. I just hope that in the future we 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 can grow one. You know that's part of my mission here on this on this podcast is to have North American fans get more understanding of of the the uh, organization that is One Championship. So maybe we'll see more of that in the future. Maybe this is just a learning and growing experience. So with all that being said, we uh, we didn't start out the night great. You know, we started out with four of the five contests ending in decision, highly unusual for, for one championship, but Hey, it happens sometimes, you know, and then, you know, the fight that I thought was going to be the fight of the night, or at least the knockout of the night, Gudo and Ascente versus Rade o- Opicic didn't really deliver the way that I thought it was. I thought we were going to see a KO for sure here, you know, and there were some factors that prevented that from happening. You know, but I will say this, you want to see how much better your combat sports prize can be when you don't ban steroids, when you don't have USADA, USADA in the mix? Check out Gudo Innocente. I've never seen a Brazilian that looks like Francis before this. Most of the guys in the UFC heavyweight division, they look obese, you know, and speaking of physics, Opacic is coming in the fight looking much more conditioned than his previous encounter with. Uh, Gudo and Ascente. You know, these guys have fought three times. This is the third time they fought, and Gudo and Ascente claimed Rade Opicic was weak to the body. And I'd have to agree based on the way Opicic looked in their previous bout, and the result of that previous bout was, uh, being Innocente finishing Opacic in the first with a shot to deliver, liver. So I can understand why he would say that, but Opacic looked much better conditioned in this fight, and it kind of showed, you know. Both fighters came out patient in the first, but the straight right was money for Opacic, and Goodo's movement seemed compromised thereafter. This must be something seen by Opacic's team from watching tape, I would imagine. Because the right for, by uh, Rade dropped Innocente in the last seconds of the fight with Goodo answering the eight count and finishing out the round, 10-8 round because Inocente was dropped. And then in round two, Innocente came out looking very tired. Clearly, road work was an issue for him. He wasn't properly conditioned for this fight. He did manage to hurt Opacic and level the playing field. Both fighters had their moments in round two with both Opacic and Innocente finishing the round looking very tired. And then round three was much slower, as you might imagine. It was a round that probably went to Opacic, as did the fight itself. In a contest that, in my opinion, failed to deliver on both sides. I p- I picked this fight as, you know, being the KO of the night. It definitely was not that. Not a great start to the main card. And what I'm sure is a disappointing start uh, for the boss man, Shachar Sichatong, in a fight we do not need to see again. Please do not give us the fourth one of this fight. Um, we did get some action, though, on this card. There was some exciting um, finishes and exciting fights. Quan Wan Il versus Artem Belak. Round one, Artem's game plan was clear. He wanted to wrestle and even looked on, locked on the body triangle in round one, but Quan Juan Il fought his way out. In round two, Il dropped Artem Belak with a liver punch very decisively. Belak recovered, but Quan Juan Il corralled Belak and dropped him and secured the finish. Pretty boy Quan Juan Il then dropped the Broken English Promo of the Century. That was right up there with... Morgano wants money. And Pretty Boy called for the title shot after accurately predicting the second round finish and earning the fifty K bonus. I want to see that. Let's see more Pretty Boy in one championship. Speaking of Pretty Boys, Nikki Holtzkin versus Arion Sidikovic. You know Holtzkin came in seven pounds heavy for this hundred seventy pound seventy pound contest. He's a. What do you want me to say? He's a four time Glory champion and he's still in amazing shape believe me he's in amazing shape for a guy who's looking at 40 and that's commendable but he's not making that title run in one or in one or in any other major organization you know we're we're seeing the we're seeing the end of the career you know sidikovic got that unanimous decision win which i agree i agree with that i think he won the fight and I'd like to see a more dominant performance from the 10-plus years younger fighter of Sadiqovic, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Mansur Malachiev from Dagestan. Ugh. Give me a second. I need to prepare myself for talking about this fight. Okay, what can I say? Mansur Malachiev. You know, he got the Darsh choke in the first round. That's good. He landed a uh, heavy knee against Jeremy Miato. I just want to know, why does one championship sign these guys? Yes, it's a finish, but do we really want a guy in one that's supposed to be the premier organization for exciting fights? That's what one is built on. That's their their fighter core values, excitement. Do we really want a guy signed to one that shoots in the first 15 seconds of the fight and that... that makes wrestling his primary, his primary offensive weapon. Again, I enjoy technical grappling and wrestling. I enjoy that, but it shouldn't be a fighter's entire road to, to, to victory. We've seen that play out in multiple organizations. There's Fighters that all they do is wrestle, and for myself as a fan, and I think most fans would agree, it's not exciting. It's not how I want to spend my weekend, watching guys push people up against the cage, take them down, lay on top of them, and wait for the final bell to ring. So what's, what is one doing? Sign this guy. Let him, go to the, let him go to North America and fight there. They're much more accepting of that. They're much, that's much more within the norm. It's not, what, it's not what one should be doing if they're trying to grow their brand. And the thing is, you know, Chachari agrees with me. No bonus for this guy. He got a first-round stoppage. He got no bonus because it wasn't exciting. The interview went on to bore me. This guy got to bore me twice. He got to bore me in the fight, and he got to bore me in the interview. You know? Also, another thing I have to say is, like, Mansur Malachiev, that sounds like the name of that, like, clock servant from the Beauty and the Beast uh, Disney movie. So I just want to put that out there. And while I'm complaining about this uh amazing fight card that was free to me because i have amazon prime i also want to complain about this why does one championship go over the entire fight card between each fight is that like a thing for like online social media or or what i don't get it it's like between every single fight on this card they went over the entire fight card. like stop doing that we don't need that we're good once is enough maybe 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 halfway through the, the event, you could do it again, but it's too much between each round. Please stop. So things did start to look up here. We had Superbond versus Typhon Ozjohn. Superbond's number one, former champ, just lost his his belt. He's fighting number five in Tyson Ozjohn. And uh, here's some numbers for you Typhon, he wins eight and a half times for every time he loses. And, uh, you know, with a, with a, person with stats like that you would expect this to be a very competitive contest and Typhon Ostjan did exactly that he made it competitive he came out very aggressive the first round was back and forth and Superbond possibly took that I'm not sure he had some kicks late in the round it's hard to say Typhon came out much the same way in round two but all that aggression opened Typhon Ostjan up to the kicks and unfortunately one of those kicks was a sharp left high cook to John's jaw that put Typhon in sleepy, sleepy time. Yeah, they had to, they had to bring John out on a stretcher for that picture-perfect back head kick KO, and Superbon did not even watch Turbon drop because he knew his fate was sealed. There was zero tell on that thing. Aspiring kicks boxers. Be like Superbon. This is the way. You know, to me, watching this, this makes the Chingiz Alizov loss look like a fluke. I'm not trying to take away from Eliza, but that's how I feel after watching this fight. Personally, I can't wait for Superbond to get a rematch and win back the belt that belongs to him. That's my prediction. It's probably going to happen. Obviously, without question, he's going home with a 50K bonus. And after the highly entertaining post-fight interview, all I could say is give this man his rematch. Next, we had Shinchotov-Zolzegzeg versus Ilya Freemanov. Back and forth, up and down. That's how this one went. Frenetic first round with Shinye dropping Freemanov early in the first with the straight left right down the pipe. Shinchotov-Zolzegzeg took Freemanov down, but Freemanov recovered and attempted the armbar. Both fighters back up, and Ilya Freemanov lands a clean clinch knee. And from there, it was elementary, baby. Fremanov lands the elbows, establishes mount, pounds out the come-from-behind victory over Shinjata Zoltziceg. And all I had to say about this is Featherweights take notice. Elio Freemanov is no fluke. He's no accident. He stopped the former two-division champion, Martin Nguyen, and he tapped the young lion Shinjata Zoltziceg. Firminov is looking like the one-eyed monster in the post-fight interview as his eyes swells up, but still, nonetheless, he called out the camp, champ, Tran Lee. He's going to have to wait his turn, but I'm all for that. Gets the bonus, 50K in his pocket, well-deserved. Next, we had the grappling contest, a co-main event, Cade Rotolo versus Tommy Longaker. And in this fight, Tommy Longaker clearly had the physical advantage, you know. And he must have, his him or his team must have solved a vulnerability early on in the legs with Cade Rottolo scoring the early catch. And Cade would hold that top position for most of the contest, and eventually land a catch, but it was barely a catch at that. Since it was one-to-one going into the, the end of the fight, the decision went to Rotolo, but I don't believe in that scoring system. I think the fight should be scored absolutely based on who has clo- who was closer to stopping the contest, and that was definitely Tommy care Now, was this an exciting grappling match? Sure, it was. It was exciting. But we just saw Superbon head kick KO Oz John, and Freeman land that thrilling knee to finish Shinny. So it doesn't offer the same kind of excitement. It's exciting, especially for us one percenters, for us hardcore fans. But it's not the same type of excitement. But I guess I have to say, if everyone was Mikey Musumeci, you know, what would make that little autist so special, you know, so. But uh, that's not a big deal because we have the uh, main event here. and on Ursul versus Dimitri Menchkoff delivered an exciting finish for fans of finishes. Just to go over some numbers here, you know, Menchkopf, he's 27 and one, and he has 19 KOs. So he's no slouch. He's got a 70% KO rate, and he's only been defeated once. Ursul, by comparison, he's 60 and 4 and has 27 KOs. So a much lower KO rate, 45%. Menchikov has a 1 to 27 loss ratio. So that means that for every time he loses, he wins 27 times, which would make sense because he's 27 to 1. Urso has a 1 in 15 loss ratio. But that's highly highly respectable. It's a highly respectable number for a champion at his level who has not lost in seven years. And... Those numbers played out here. You know, Rayhan Ursel established his range early on. He landed a sweet left hook to the temple. And, you know, this guy's a technician. He disguised that by the left kick, and he dropped Menshkov at the 46-second mark of the very first round. You know, he put Menshkov on roller skates, and he forced the referee, the boss, Olivia Cost, to call the fight, which I agree with. That was... Menschkoff did not need any more damage. He was, he was well damaged in that fight. You know, Rayon Ursel didn't break a sweat, and he got a 50K bonus, so congrats to him, but, I mean, duh, what do you think is going to happen? Rayon Ursel's a two-division champ on a seven-year winning streak, and he's fighting a guy who's never fought and won before. I mean, you wouldn't see that in the UFC. You wouldn't see a guy who's never fought in the UFC before fighting for a title. And I think one needs to do a better job of um, attracting competition for the talented right here in Ursel. They need to uh, either look within their own talent pool or uh, find a big star and and back up the Brinks truck so they could get a big star to fight uh, Ursel and and bring some excitement to this division. Because Ursel, you know, he's he's starting to put together some finishes. He's starting to offer more... fan-friendly style you know he's on a two-fight ko streak which is something he's had a problem with is getting the finish so it's it's we're moving in a positive direction as far as ursul's performances but we're moving in a negative direction as far as the storyline and the uh, excitement so personally what i think needs to happen what i would like to see happen is Rayhan Ursul needs to fight Christian Lee in some format, whether that's kickboxing, whether that's Muay Thai, whether that's MMA. I don't care, but we need to have some kind of storyline that we could go and talk about, and that actually means something because this win over Dmitry Menshkov means nothing, you know. And not to be negative on on the card, there was some good excitement, but you know, five finishes out of ten fights, a fifty percent finish rate, that might be good for the UFC or for Bellator. I mean, it would be great for Bellator, let's be honest. PFL, any of those other North American organizations. But for one, a 50% finish rate is abysmal. So there's some room for improvement there. We'll call this one a learning experience. Still some good fights. We saw a lot of finishes, a lot of exciting talent. I'm excited to see what's coming up. One has a lot of exciting uh, events coming up. I'll be covering all those, of course. I'll be doing breakdowns on some of those. There's some big, big fights coming up. We've got um, a lot of exciting fighters. Uh, we've got Ant- Antoni Malikov trying to unify his title soon. And uh, just just a lot coming your way from one, one championship. And of course, we're going to be covering it all here. So there you have it. Two exciting nights of events with, within 12 hours of each other. No other organization's doing that. That's why we're here. That's why we're covering the one championship. That's why we've created this podcast. And and hey, you know, I joke around, but I got to say, I couldn't do this without all of you 1%ers out there, the dedicated fans, the listeners, the subscribers, the likers, the commenters, even the haters, you know. If it wasn't for the haters, what would make success so sweet? So want to thank you all for your continued support. Tune in. There's going to be a lot more. I've got a lot of clips coming out on my YouTube channel. I've got a lot of shorts coming out on my social medias. Make sure to check out my social medias if you're on if you're on the uh, just audio only. Make sure you uh, give that the thumbs up, the like, the subscribe, all that, and we'll keep growing this thing together, me and you, fans out there. We'll do this thing and get this to be one of the biggest podcasts in the world, and it's all it's all thanks to you. It's thanks to your continued support. So I appreciate that. You keep coming back, I'll keep producing for The One.